Welcome back to episode 75 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Scott Harrington and producer Dan Humphrey. Jason Lewandowski is on assignment. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com right now and look into playing elite hockey this summer in the Futures Hockey League or Summer Elite League. Registration closes soon. Well, we have been on a longer-than-expected hiatus, so we have a ton to catch up to uh, with the goings-on in hockey in the world and in Ohio. Uh, But before we do that, let's see what's going on with everybody. It has been a while. Um, I'm going to throw a crazy stat out at you, Scott. Okay. Uh, I have not slept in my bed on a Saturday night since March 11th. March 11th. And that is uh, by design. You were not sleeping in your own bed. This wasn't. uh... No, I did not get kicked out or any of that such. Um, It was. It's been crazy travel. I did some traveling overseas. Yeah. Uh, Went to Europe for uh, um, a week. London. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit. But then I've been I've been doing the travel volleyball circuit. You know, I don't get to do that during the first half of the circuit, the season, because I'm still uh, with my hockey team. Uh, so the last couple weeks, it's been good. Were, were you in Chicago a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah. All right. Last couple weeks, I was in, well, London for a week, Indianapolis when I got home, Columbus, Ohio, Washington, D.C., hmm. Chicago, Philadelphia last weekend, Louisville, and Detroit coming up. My God. I went to Solon for, to visit my mother-in-law. Um, it, it's insane. That's crazy. It, it's insane. You know, and I, and, and I will t- I'll talk furthermore about the craziness of, of this, but, um, you know, having two daughters uh, running the same schedule, but different cities is tough, mm. you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when the hockey season's going, I can't be there on the weekends because we always have right. games or, and it's usually playoff time and then state tournament time. Yeah. And we'll get into the state tournament as well a little bit today. Uh, talk about that. So, um, how have you been? Good. Very, very busy. Um, like you said, I think our last, I was looking on the website. I think our last podcast was March 1st. So it's been what, six, yeah, seven weeks? No, maybe. maybe. Um, just seemed like one thing after another came up with one or more of us every week. So we just kept pushing it back, but we've got a backlog of very exciting guests that we'll hopefully get on in the next couple of weeks and get back at it. But, uh, been busy. I, I did, I did, I have been further than Solon. I actually was at West Point, uh, last weekend with my son, with the Boy Scouts Oh, nice for their, they call it the campery. They had about 4,000 Boy Scouts there. This uh, isn't one of these things where you got to walk 19,000 miles and camp, right? Two and a half miles. Okay. That's not, yeah. So I wasn't too bad. Well, yeah. it was well. like this, but, uh, so it was, it was very cool about eight years ago. Our, this is an annual event that they do. <clears throat> our troop went 
and one of the boys was very inspired by the experience and decided that he was going to be a West Point cadet. And he did it. Oh, nice. Which is not easy to do because nope. there's only about a thousand in each class. You need a letter from a congressman, all that stuff, in, in addition to all the academics and physical testing and all that. He does it. And then so a few years later, they go back again. His dad brings the troop and they bring some kids from Olmstead Falls with them. And one of those kids is in, meets this boy from our troop, Ryan Grimm, and is very inspired by meeting him and all the cool stuff. He says, I'm going to be a West Point cadet and I'll be damned. He did it. So he was actually our host and uh, hiked in with us and spent some time with the boys just doing a and a about life in the military and that type of thing. And it was it was just a fantastic experience. That's phenomenal. That's yeah. phenomenal. We were fortunate to have a. Uh told you off the air, but one of our hockey players here at St. Ed's, um, Danny Enovich, a football player, uh, signed to go to the Naval Academy uh, to mm -hmm. continue his education and serve our country um, for uh, football. So we're you know, really happy with, with Danny. Congratulations to him and his family. Uh, most importantly, when I sat down with Dan and talked to him, I said, I think one of the most impressive things out of this whole thing, uh, this whole process for you, in my mind, is that uh, you are putting uh, your country uh, involved in this. And so, you know, we can't thank him enough for that, yeah. uh, no matter what happens yep. in his football career. Ultimately, he uh, he's signing up for uh, a, a duty with our uh, military. So uh, congratulations to him and his family. But then again, thank you. You yeah. know, thank thanks to all those young men who are going to the academies or enlisting to help out uh, our country. Yeah. And it was, it was really uh, cool having spent, you know, it's kind of a crazy time in the world right now. <laughs> and after spending some time, the, the, this event that they do, you get to do a lot of interaction with the cadets. And I just, I feel so much better after seeing how smart and tough and committed and focused all of those young people are there. Yeah. We're in a good spot and, and they can't wait to go serve mm -hmm. and basically they give you the impression that our, our military is basically a dog on a leash, just getting, just, you know, chomping at the bit to go do whatever needs to be done, right. Wherever it is. So, right. Uh, made me feel a lot more comfortable. Good, good. So I, like I said, I, uh, you know, we were fortunate to uh, uh, make it to the final four uh, for yeah. the, for the uh, hockey high school hockey tournament. Um, got beat in the semifinals by a very, very good Gilmore Academy team that, ended up winning the state tournament. Uh, their goaltender, uh, Underwood, just, I mean. Anderson. Anderson I'm sorry, Anderson. Mm -hmm. uh, just lights out yeah. the whole weekend. And I and, uh, had nothing but uh, praises for that young man and, and, and that team. Uh, so then I get on a plane six days later by design. This, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, and I go to London for seven days. Now, what took me there was I was uh, the administrator. Um, I'm an administrator here at, at school, and I was the administrator uh, going uh, with our Model UN group. So we had 19 students, uh, two moderators, and then myself. And they were at a conference for three days in Halliburton uh, College. It's a high school, but they call it a college. Mm -hmm. Halliburton College kind of looked like, uh, I think I'm going to say this wrong, but Hogwarts or whatever. I'm not, I'm, right. I'm not a, a Hog, Hogwarts Hogwarts. Thank you, Dan. This place was out of control. Yeah. It was in a small little village called where W A R E. 
So about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes outside of central London, right? So we get there, you know, and it's a long flight, it's eight, eight hour flight, which nowadays, the last time I flew that long, it was, it was my honeymoon 20 some years ago. I should probably know how many years ago, but 20 some years ago. <laughs> and uh, where was that? Hawaii. So we flew straight from uh, St. Louis to Maui. It was like nine and a half hour flight. Mm. It was, it was terrible. But this time you have your own TV in front of you. Um, a plethora of movies, TV shows, concerts, whatever. Mm. I watched two movies, a concert on the way there, had dinner and breakfast. Mm-hmm. That's how long we were on the plane. Mm. And it was no big deal, right? Slept a little bit. It was what it was. I would do it. I would do it again. Okay. All right. Um, but what I wouldn't do again is there's no driving rules over in England. Like none. You gotta remember something. They they made those roads. That's why the cars are so small over there. They made the roads not for vehicles. Right. And Austin's kind of the same yeah. way. Everything's cramped yeah. and not in blocks. And it's, you're, you know, so you have to get used to being on the other side of the car. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Right. You know, so that's that's a little bit different. So we go to the conference and this Halliburton was beautiful. And, and uh, uh, so it was a, it was a, fr- we got there. We flew all night, Thursday night. We got there Friday morning. It was a Friday night um, conference, Saturday, Sunday, then Monday morning, we were going to head into central London and do a bunch of uh, sightseeing. Well, Saturday, the guy who was running the whole show says, Tim, and he's from, he's from London. Mm-hmm. So he knows every, and this guy was an encyclopedia of a, a it, like, historical information wizard. It was great because you know, we got to see the London tower and all this other stuff. Right. Um, he was like, Hey, the kids are in uh, the conference all day. Why don't you take the day to yourself? And uh, you know, myself and Miss Hilty will, will handle the rest of it. You just take the day to yourself. Okay, sweet. So I'm, I'm at the conference until about one o'clock. I wanted to see the kids do what they do. And I head back to the hotel. And uh, again, this little village called where I was doing some, reading on it and at one point the village of Ware was in the guinness book of world records for the most pubs in a square mileage area and they gave me the day afternoon the day off (laughs) (laughs) did you print off a list of them and check them off i did not i did not so i i decided to walk down to the village Mm -hmm. and uh the first pub i walk in I order a an IPA of some sort, right? Now, a lot of the beers, you said you've been to France. France, yeah. So they serve their beer a little bit warm. Yeah. And mo- okay. some of it's some of it's not carbonated. Yeah. They they pump it. Mm-hmm. They don't some of it is, you know what I mean? Um and I couldn't believe on a Saturday at like two o'clock how packed this place was. Mm-hmm. And I had to inquire, why is it so crowded on a, at two o'clock? Well, I just so happened to be there on their Super Bowl. It was the, the rugby Six Nations final day, and England played at eight o'clock. I was like, oh, this is going to get fun. PM. So they're pre gaming. Pre gaming for the, the, you know, so there was games. One game started at two, one at five, one at eight, right? So I don't know, France and somebody played at two or whatever it was. Um, England had a chance not to win it, but if they did win that night, that means Wales couldn't have won it. Some concoction they were trying to explain to me. I didn't even understand what I was watching. Mm-hmm. 
but I was having a great time. By about the fourth pub, I, I was I was like, <laughs> I was doing the chance. You know, the chance oh, yeah, yeah, it was great, man. It was That's great. Awesome. Um, Sunday was a little rough, but yeah. Um, oh. And then and then we got to see um, uh, Central London, the change Westminster Abbey, changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace, all that stuff. Big Ben Parliament, Big Ben Parliament, all, all that, all that great stuff. Then I come home and two weeks later. So I saw the changing of the guard over there. Two weeks later, I'm in D.C. at Arlington National Cemetery watching the changing of the guard here. Wow, that's cool. Then two weeks later, I'm in Philadelphia with the Liberty Bell running the steps like Rocky. <laughs> it's been a whirlwind uh, Sully tour. It, it's been, so it's been I, I want to I do not want to stay in a hotel ever again right now. Yeah. But yeah, so that's where I've been. And I've been taking some time off of work because of travel. So Mondays have been, we usually record on Mondays. Mondays have been just a train wreck for us. So uh, that's been what, that's what I've been doing. And all of that, the girls have been playing pretty good volleyball. So that, yeah. that is the point of all the travel. So right. um, I know Danny, I know your, your garlic is coming up. Mine's starting to come up. Uh, I've been getting really, I mean, I've been getting really aggressive with what I'm going to do this year with my, my garden. Let's hear it. What are we doing? Well, I think I'm going to take, I'm going to redo the whole, the beds where they're at. Um, and I'm going to start to hang some of things off of the fence so that some of the herbs can hang down. All right. I like it. Yeah. I that's like aggressive. That's aggressive for me. So what about you? Uh, so we, we completely relocated the garden beds in the backyard. So those went up to a, uh, hilly spot that gets a little bit more sun so i had to move a sandbox down um and replace that we already got the kale going uh the lettuce kohlrabi the peas anything that's cold weather is uh in the ground right now ready to ready to roll and you went to disneyland i understand right Yep. froze on us again so i'm just going to continue so tune in next week to hear about <laughs> danny's dog's uh trip to disney world. disney world yeah absolutely well let's see what's in the news of the ohio hockey podcast the ohio state women's team defeated minnesota duluth three to two on march 20th to win the program's first ncaa championship yeah with Show prep was a little quick this week, so I don't have a whole lot of additional detail there. But I, I watched uh, the last two periods of that game. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, also very cool to see a couple girls that we've had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Lauren Bernard was playing. And then they did a, sh a shot in the crowd to show a kid holding a sign or something like that. And Lindsay Wallace was sitting right behind him. Oh, really? So she got a little FaceTime. And um, we will, as I said, we have some exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks and we'll we'll try to get hopefully coach Muzzerall, if not one of the players on to talk about that because that was a, a pretty big win for that program there is some uncertainty surrounding the future of the northwest hockey conference st john's jesuit and st francis de sales will be, become part of the detroit-based catholic high school league in 2023-24 anthony wayne bowling green northview and perrysburg are all members of the northern lakes league and other sports and in an article in the Toledo Blade, Mark Monroe speculated that the NHC could fold if the Northern Lakes League creates a hockey conference. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that came through and, and, you know, there was rumblings about this uh, as the season ended. Um, I think it's a great, great move for St. Francis and St. John's if they, you know, if that's what's best for their school, because they're doing it for all the sports. Mm-hmm. This isn't obviously not just a hockey thing. So right. I think people need to understand that this is, this is a, a, a school-wide sporting uh, situation. And I know that it's, St. John's, St. Francis are are boys' school, but they uh, brought two female schools with them as well uh, to round out like the girls' basketball and Mm -hmm. and whatever may be. So, you know, I I think it's a good move. I mean, listen, you know, I'm the head coach of a program here at St. Edward's High School, and we we left the Great Lakes Hockey League this year uh, to go independent to try to uh, maximize our schedule. And, And I've said it before, it has nothing to do with leaving the great lakes hockey league, because we don't think it's good enough. I mean, we, we were taken into overtime three times this year by great lakes hockey league teams, right? It's definitely a good league yeah. scheduling wise. It's hard for us with three teams in the, in the building to try to maximize our schedule. And, and that was the, the reason why we did it. Great lakes hockey league is a great uh, league still is and always will be. So, yeah. And it's not like, St. Francis can't still play Northview and right. Perrysburg and Bowling Green and those, you know, those traditional rivalries on in non-conference games. So. Right. You know, what would be interesting is if, you know, the remaining Great Lakes Hockey League teams and the remaining uh, Northern Lake League, uh, or I'm sorry, not Northern Lake, but the uh, uh, NHC, if they could combine. You know, we've always tried to do a, a turnpike league yeah, that was that's voted been, down. That's been going that idea has been around for a long We've time. tried to do it for years and it's just been voted down uh, because of travel, which I don't understand because you end up traveling to play in tournaments anyways. Yeah. But, but look so, at, well, yeah, but look at our, not. right. Look at our, I mean, look at the football teams, right. the, the Cleveland teams go down to Cincinnati to play Yeah, week four. Right. What's the difference, you know, but you know, if you could go up on a weekend and play your league games on one weekend, they come down, play their league games on another weekend. Right. You can get it done in two or three weeks. Right. You know, so it is what it is. The Youngstown Phantoms are hosting the Madison Capitals in a best of three series Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, if necessary, at the Cavelli Center. Madison took a game one Monday, took game one on Monday night by a three to two score, putting the Phantoms back to the wall in game two tonight, Tuesday, as we record. And I actually didn't tell you this. I actually went to a Phantoms game a couple weekends ago, and uh, they were playing that Chicago Steel team that's loaded every year. Yeah. So they've got a kid that they think is going to go in the top two or three in the draft, not this year, but next year, because uh, he's only 16. So, oh, geez. He played – He I think he applied for exceptional player status and was denied. So he came down to play in the USHL as a 15-year-old. Scored eight goals in eight playoff games to help them win the championship last year. And he's a big Adam Fantilli is his name. Big kid, really good. It was I, I it's been a while since I, I've been to a game down there and I forget how high a level of hockey that sure. the USHL. It, it was fantastic, but not many people in the building. No. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's a little concerning. There are four ECHL teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area, and they finished in the top four spots in the Central Division. Uh, So they're all paired up against each other in the opening round of the Kelly Cup playoffs. The Toledo Walleye finished with the best record in the ECHL, 
but the Cincinnati Cyclones took a 2-1 lead in that series with an overtime win in game three last night. Uh, that would be Monday night. More on that later in the show. And the Wheeling Nailers went on the road and won the first two games of their series at Fort Wayne. Uh, to, and they will look to put a stranglehold on that series in game three, Wednesday night in Wheeling. Uh, I believe it's game six, if necessary, in Toledo on Saturday night. I and mean, I think that might have to be a road trip. Uh-oh. This Saturday? Yeah. Supposed to be in Louisville for volleyball. Oh, my word. <laughs> the Erie Otters missed out on the OHL playoffs but they have the number two pick in the 2022 OHL draft this weekend. Two otters, defenseman Spencer Spova and goaltender Nolan Lalandi were selected to Canada's U18 that is currently competing in the World U18 Championships. Sova was the eighth overall pick in the 2020 OHL draft and is the 38th ranked North American skater for the 2022 NHL draft. Lalone is the number 10 ranked North American goalie in the draft. Team USA defeated Canada 8-3 in their opening game at the U18. Strongsville, Tyler, Strongsville's Tyler Duke is manning the blue line for Team USA. Shaker Heights sniper Tyler Lensowitz was named the Cleveland.com High School Hockey Player of the Year. Other Cleveland.com All-Stars included Gilmore Academy goaltender Ian Anderson, Gilmore Academy defenseman Connor Underwood, St. Ed's defenseman Hayden Payne, St. Ed's forward Jack Mansoor, Walsh Jesuit forward Josh Wiener and Gilmore Academy's John Malloy was named coach of the year. Uh, and then two hockey legends, Mike Bossy and Gila Fleur passed away about a week apart, uh, about 1100 goals between the two of those gentlemen. I had just posted a picture on the, the Twitter feed uh, the other day of me. I think I was about 12 years old getting Gila Fleur's autograph. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I saw that, that you put on the Twitter. Yeah. That, that Gila Fleur used to be so much fun to watch. The flower with the his flower. hair. The hair waving. Oh, man. Jesse Flapman just came flying down the right wing and man alive. It. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was very, very, very fun to watch. So, uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have Russ Sankowitz join us uh, to talk a little bit about the Ohio Hockey Project. After a playing career that included stops with Bowling Green State University and the Cleveland Monsters, Russ Anquitz came back to Northeast Ohio and founded the Ohio Hockey Project, where he is committed to being Cleveland's premier skill development leader for all age groups. Please welcome back on air our friend, Russ Anquitz. Welcome, Russ. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. We see that you're hopefully you're in your car, but you're not driving, right? Because that's dangerous. No. Nah. Never, never. I'm parked. I'm parked in a rink, if you can believe it. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, Russ, welcome back, obviously, to the podcast. As uh, we know, the Ohio Hockey Project is a 12-month-a-year commitment for you. 
which we do thank you for doing that for our youth. As seasons wind down at the different levels and players turn their attention to off-season regiments, what is your focus at this time of the year? So as, as we get through spring, you know, we, uh, we have a number of different youth programs. A lot of kids are getting ready. Well, I guess tryouts are now concluded, but kids getting ready for tryouts. Our older kids getting ready for different spring showcases and tournaments and, and different type of evaluations, whether it be for midget junior stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, through the middle and the back half of May, I just think philosophically it's such a great time to really throttle down set some goals, get focused on off-base training, get away from the rink, clear your head mentally, let your body recover physically. Um, and I think something that gets really under-prioritized for a lot of kids is focusing the start of their off-season training, having a plan. I mean, obviously hockey, you got to have, have the skill on the ice, but there's a lot that goes into the off-ice training, whether it's your nutrition, your strength training. As kids get older, obviously a huge focus on strength training, but um, you got to set a foundation of that because those gains that you make through May and early June and July are going to make a huge, huge difference, you know, come the middle and the late part of the season in the fall and winter. So that's kind of where we're at with things now. It's uh, we hear it uh, here. We just heard it again. We've heard it multiple times. It, it always kind of amazes me that um, people who make their living training hockey players point out the importance of getting away from the rink. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that just, it really kind of speaks to our core values of what, you know, we, we believe in a holistic approach to player development and that's a part of it. And, and, you know, it's probably one of the coolest quotes I heard about it, but rest is the best weapon an athlete's ever going to have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's so true. So finding strategic times to rest and, you know, different kids are on different trajectories and different timelines, of course, but um, yeah, so we go pretty hard through March, April, uh, and then the beginning of May a little bit for some of our older kids. And then uh, a lot of May, it's just, kids kind of fine tuning things or maybe staying on the ice just to kind of keep the rust off. But as far as full on programming and stuff, it's a pretty quiet month for us because June is when, you know, we start to ramp back up with a number of different things. Including summer leagues, uh, registration for the future futures hockey league closes is, closes this week. Is that correct? May 1st is the deadline to, uh, to register. So this will be the eighth year doing it every year. It just seems to get that much more exciting for us, more competitive for the kids. I know the kids have a phenomenal experience with it. Um, the reviews and the feedback we get every year is just, it, it, it's really kind of brings some tears out, but it's also, it's really exciting because I know the kids love it that much and we have that much fun doing it. But May 1st is the registration deadline for that. Uh, for all divisions, whether it's our, our youngest or 10s and 11s, 8s, 9s, and then our youth. 16 u18 divisions as well and what is the process if somebody since there are still there's still spots available so um what's the process to get signed up correct yeah so kids go online you go through the application process which is a lot of contact information some uh, kind of like a player bio a little bit about yourself it's a really good opportunity that we suggest kids take and parents take some time and and brag about yourself or your athlete let us know where they played some of their accolades and whatnot um, and then from there, we, we do our best to kind of rank players based on experience, based on their seasons they had statistically, or we get a ton of feedback, whether it be from coaches, from peers, a number of different sources. And then like, again, we do our best to kind of evaluate and rank players um, in the futures leagues. One of the few programs we do that, that really is pretty selective. It's, you know, it, we, we try to do our best to be as inclusive as we can from different programs, of course, but is to try to get some of the most talented, most committed players from Northeast Ohio and really the region participating. So it's, it's a very, at the younger level, I'd say it's like a double A plus, double A, triple A level. And 
same thing with our high school. It's a really, you know, like a U16, U18 kind of triple A, double A or, or a varsity plus type program of, of some really, really high level players. So we go through the player registration and then we have the draft that typically is, I don't know, about the first week, week and a half into May. We get all the information out and then the season gets underway here in the second week of June. Scott, maybe we should uh, broadcast the uh, the draft. I, I, we I love it. That would be fun. We could do that. We did, you know, it's funny. Year, years ago, we did that for the summer elite league. We had a, uh, we had it at a uh, the Fox and the Hound, a bar on the east side, and all the captains showed up. And then that actually shifted from there to the Harry Buffalo downtown, and had like the draft tables and the lottery and everything on the screens and that. It just became a bit of a distraction with obviously other patrons using the bar and the restaurant and um, probably blew it out a little bit too much because no one came except the captains, but. It'd be I know the kids would love it. I get we get texts and emails uh, from kids and, and families all the time. Like, so who's what's the order? Who's going where? And could you release that or could you live tweet it? So, well, yeah, I think, think covered you guys. Yeah, this could be something that we could work on. Uh, we be, could go a lot of fun. live. What do they do? Facebook live or Twitter live? Right. You could do that both. Right. Yeah. You're a lot younger than me. Rush, you know, all this stuff. I don't. So uh, we could figure that out. And uh, that'd be fun. Let's, be maybe we can talk about off, off air. Yeah. So you talked about yeah. the, the futures and let's kind of switch it to the, the summer elite league. Uh, you know, how you guys do that in the summer, uh, same format as last year. Correct. Yeah. Same, uh, slight only changes. We just backed it down, uh, nine weeks. And that was just the kind of the way the holidays, uh, like July 4th fell and, uh, a big thing, too, is, is a lot of our college athletes, they're kind of getting out of town or going back to their schools. And the same with the junior players a little bit earlier than than, you know, in years past. So that ends the second week of August. But same thing. It's for junior college and pro level players. We'll have some U18 players that play in it as well. But um, it's for any family or, or young players that are in the area. We have two divisions. Uh, we have more of like kind of like a junior kind of a D3 a, a, a NCAA club level that plays on Monday nights. And then we have like a D3 three D one in a pro level that plays Wednesday nights out of Strongsville. Um, it's, I mean, obviously outside of the monsters, it's the best game of hockey in Northeast Ohio, hands down. And especially being Cleveland families, you know, to see some kids that grew up in your area and, and track their careers and see them playing at a high level. It, it's a really cool thing. I know every year in the, in the playoffs and the finals, we'll get a couple hundred people that will come to the game, which is really cool. I know last year we got thunder sticks for the fans and people got into it, but it's a, um, it's a really, really high level game. It's obviously no different than the futures league. It's the mission of it is just a high quality weekly game to keep guys and, and women sharp throughout the off season. Um, you know, in a, in a safe environment, that's fun, you know, and it, it breeds the whole community of Northeast Ohio hockey, which is really what we're all about. So, uh, you know, and I, I've been very familiar with your uh, summer elite league and the players that you have in, but for our listeners, how's the lineup of talent? for the league shaping up this year? It's great. You know, it, the, the one contingency every year is, is a lot of college guys, if, if they have an internship or if they have to stay on campus longer, you know, whatever travels, take them out of town. But every year, the same thing, it gets better and better. And we've got a really nice core of, of young pros now, which is, it, it was my generation of, of kids that were my birth year to, you know, we've kind of aged out a little bit, but now our, our current pros and Timmy Gettinger and Adam Shiel and Curtis Hall and, Charlie Gerard, you know, Walker Summer, some really, really impressive young players in the area, you know, Evan Moist, our goaltender. And it's fun. It's fun to watch those guys take, take the 
lead and carry the torch now. And, and they're really, really great mentors to our current D1 and D3 and upcoming junior players. So, so you, you, you did mention that some people of your uh, birth year might have aged out. That was going to be my next question. Have you aged out yet or no? I'm giving myself one more. You know, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was very, very happy and pleased with my performance last year. I felt like I still contributed. So I feel like until I kind of lose that step or I'm unable to contribute uh, to the game is when I'll walk away. But yeah, so players that are in the mid thirties. So I'm in, you know, to date myself, I'm an 85 birth year. And I think I'm going to, my birth year, myself and Eric Sevchek, I think we're going to be the two eldest players in the league to my knowledge. Um, and then after that, it, it's a pretty quick decline to these younger kids that are in their mid to late twenties or maybe one or two more early thirties guys and the Smith brothers, they'll hang around, but. Yeah, we're we're dinosaurs. We're wagons in the league, that's for sure. Sefcik, did he play at West Point? Yes, he did. He did. He's the oh, no, Saint Ed's alum. We were just talking about it. I was at West Point this past weekend, and I was trying. I knew there was a, a kid from Ignatius too, who I think was a captain there. Uh, Alvarez, something. Like yeah, that. very uh, a little little known fact. There's of of all the Division One hockey schools, uh, West Point probably has one of the biggest contingencies in in uh, Northeast Ohio hockey. There's just to my knowledge, I want to say 12 or 15 uh, Cleveland hockey players that went on to play college hockey at, at uh, West Point. It's pretty impressive. Very cool. It is cool. And I did, I ran into some of their club hockey players and I was chatting them up and I, uh, they didn't have any kids from Ohio, but I asked, uh, so who do you guys play? And they said Navy. <laughs> that was the answer I got. So yeah, that's the only, that's the only game I think they, they mark exactly. on the calendar every year. Exactly. Um, so outside of the leagues, uh, what are you putting together in terms of youth camps and things like that this summer? So similar to last year, we, we've got a number of different things. We do our training camps, they're week long experiences for our younger guys. There'll be half day options. And, and like always, we do our best to jump around from different rinks. We'll be on the East side at Gilmore. We'll be at Brooklyn. We'll be at Winterhurst, North Olmstead, Strongsville. Um, week long it's like a full day experience where the kids just get totally engulfed and and one of our, our key missions is to make the kids just love the sport that much more no question they'll get the player development out of it and the individual skill development but you know it's a, just a great experience where the kids are surrounded by a lot of like-minded uh, hockey players that want to get better at the sport they want to have some fun in the summer and our week-long camps um, those are going really all summer and then we'll also have uh, our weekly we call them our development programs and those will be you know once a week in the evening for our younger players, Monday night or Thursday night or Sunday mornings, depending on the age and the ability level. Um, and again, those are development programs where they're eight weeks long and it's just a really nice recurring practice that, that coincides well with whether it be their team practices or their organizations, or maybe they're doing other small group training and stuff like that. Um, and then we also do something at a, at a bit of a higher capacity for you know our junior, midget level, junior high school, college and pro players that's skating two and three days a week. but similar concept um keep the kids going throughout the summer and and really create like this just a total comprehensive program for them where you know we have some really great partners in t3 performance that handled the off ice force performance in rocky river is also a great space um and you know we let those we let the pros manage the off ice and then we just take care of everything on the ice well you obviously have a lot of uh different training sessions and training ideas for uh this project but you can't do it all yourself. So talk to our listeners about the lineup of coaches that you have brought in to help work with our youth. It's very impressive. And uh, I just want our, our listeners to hear uh, their, their bios or the, you know, who you brought, who you brought back. 
Yeah, we, you know, we've got some incredible people that are a part of the project. From the goaltending end, Shannon Zapato, she's a, a three-time Olympic medalist, two-time gold, one-time silver with Team Canada. She kind of oversees a lot of the goaltending stuff, and arguably, and, and she'll be too humble to admit this, but probably one of the most accomplished female athletes to ever play the sport. Um, we'll also have Evan Moist doing a ton with our goaltending, Eddie Zadolchek, Sam Pikus, some really, really incredible coaches that – like any of our player or goalie coaches, I mean, they, they always put the athlete first. They do such a nice job connecting with the players and the kids. And that's they manage all the goaltending end of it. And then on the player end, kind of my right-hand men with a lot of it is uh, Charlie Cook. He's a 10-year pro and a graduate of Cornell and spent a lot of time in the American League and the coast in Europe. And also Jacob Newton and both those guys, you'll see them on our, you know, different things that we do on our social media. But Jake does, they both do a ton on ice, of course. And Jake does a really nice job with everything off ice and kind of mental coaching, mental toughness and all that. And again, he's a tenure pro as well and uh, spent a ton of time in the American League and um, a lot of time in Europe as well. And and when it's not, you know, those guys that are more kind of, I guess, more of the more senior coaches, just our, our staff of all of these college guys, whether it be Quinn Warmuth or Ryan Herpy or Walker Summer you have in Moist again, he kind of does a little bit of everything, but players and coaches that have been around for years have built such great rapports with our families and our kids. And, um, and it's something I, we say to families all the time, because we, we always get such positive feedback from our coaches and, you know, the coincidence is they just happen to be really, really talented hockey players, but they're, they're even better people. And I think that's something that a lot of the kids really gravitate to is, um, you know, and I'm pretty candid about this, that, you know, any, you know, success that I had in the sport was the sum of just really, really great coaching and great experience. And that's something that's so important and such a priority for all of our coaches is that the mentorship that we have for our athletes is second to none. And it's, you know, you never know what comment and what drill and what compliment that you're able to, to give a kid that, that can change, that can change the whole trajectory. And that's something that we take a lot of pride in. And we understand it. it's just that it's a privilege. So some awesome coaches that are involved and every year we get more and more interest um, from some really great people that want to be involved. And, and the list is long. I mean, there's, you know, in total, there's about 15 to 20 total coaches that are involved in different capacities, but some really, really good people. And we're, we're lucky to have them part of the project. That's what, one thing that uh, I was talking about. And I, I know Scott's got another question for you, but um, you know, I obviously go to a lot of these, major volleyball events and, and Rusty and I've talked about that before, but there, I, w- I witnessed a coach um, and it wasn't our, uh, my daughter's coach. So I'm not like going to go after this guy. Cause you know, it's not him, but I witnessed a coach, their team was getting throttled and he just kept calling timeouts and unloading on these, these high school girls. I don't care if they're girls or boys, when they're rattled, you don't want to rattle them. Why keep rattling them when they're rattled? So when you talk about the the little thing, Russ, that that just the positive in, in either good time or bad, uh, that might change the way for a player. That's it's that's that's gold right there. It's it's so important. I mean, the positivity it just it just breeds performance, and it just breeds, you know, it's, it's common sense. But I mean, who who pref- I mean, yeah, sure, you maybe you rise to the occasion under pressure, of course, but in that, you know, quote unquote clutch time or whatever, but you know, who enjoys being yelled at, who enjoys being on, on, on your edge or pins and needles, you know, it's, we, you know, we play a sport because we love it and it's, it's a commodity with our time and it's something that we should really enjoy doing. And that's something that the experience is, you know, hard drill shouldn't feel hard because the experience is so fun and the kids are having a great time and they don't even realize how hard they're working along the way. So 
that's that's a priority for us, no doubt. So final question, how's Arlo doing? Oh, she's doing great. She's uh she'll be two May teeth, so that's coming up and I You know you know what they call that, uh, right? Once she started walking uh what terrible twos? Yeah, well you said it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got it. She's a sweetheart. I don't I hope she's not listening, but uh no, she's, it's been amazing. It's been such a gift. And um, Jen and I, you know, we love every day with it. And we can't believe how how fast two years has already flown by. And uh, it's amazing. She'll be a, uh, she's got a little sibling coming October 16th. She's, she's oh, got congratulations. A to play with here. So, yeah, thank you very much. Congratulations. And, and so it's, by experience, I can tell you it goes quick. We're looking at colleges uh, for next year. So I never thought that that would happen with, with my daughter. So, well, Russ, thanks again. Um, and hey, by the way, I will uh, call you later. I know you called me today when I was in a meeting, so I will call you back. Um, congratulations with all the success of the hockey project. And uh, uh, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Always, guys. Great having me. Thank you again. All right. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with one-week camps development programs, and individual and small group sessions. We will be right back after a quick break. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Youngstown, Ohio native Michael Hauser has been the goaltender of the year in the Canadian Hockey League and the East Coast Hockey League in 2012. He backstopped the London Knights to the Ontario Hockey League Championship and was named the OHL Player of the Year. He was also named the top goal in the East Coast Hockey League in 2019 with the Fort Wayne Comets. He has appeared in NHL games with the Buffalo Sabres each of the last two seasons. This week, he is tending the twine for the Cincinnati Cyclones as they begin their pursuit of the East Coast Hockey League's Kelly Cup. Please welcome on air Cincinnati Cyclones goaltender, Michael Hauser. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. No problem. Hey, we thank you for taking the time during the middle of a playoff run. Uh, we want to just talk a little bit about the exciting Cincinnati Toledo series in the Kelly Cup playoffs. But this is an Ohio hockey podcast. So we want to start by asking you about growing up and your early years of, of hockey here in Ohio. Yeah, I was... Uh... Like both of my parents are from Youngstown area, so I grew up in um, on the other side of the state in Youngstown, and um, yeah, that's where we learned to skate. Is there was only kind of one rink around um, us in uh, in Youngstown, and we learned to skate there. Family friends of ours got um, of my parents got their boys started taking learn to skate around there, so we took learn to skate with them, and then. Um, there wasn't any youth programs at the time in Youngstown. There are now, but um, we all had to uh, drive the turnpike and go play in uh, North Pittsburgh for uh, for their organization after we learned how to skate and we wanted to join hockey. So we did that when we were five or six and we would just drive the turnpike every day. And then, um, you know, 
eventually we would, you know, skate in, at the ice zone in Youngstown and then travel up there and skate up there. So um, really it was just the family friends that got us uh, into the game. Um, so you played uh, one year of, of junior in the USHL and then transitioned to major junior hockey to play in the Ontario Hockey League at 17. How did that come about and what went into that decision to give up your NCAA eligibility? Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't really something that we were looking for or looking to do. Um, I was, uh, I'm late in school. So I'm, I think in Ohio, it's, um, where I went to school, obviously growing up, I think it was August 30th was the cutoff. So I was only in, I was only a sophomore in high school when I went out to, uh, Des Moines and played there. Um, after the season, I believe the coach got relieved and, um, we, it was just different coaches that I had and I was a free agent in the OHL. And, um, even though my numbers weren't great, I, I thought that, you know, I held my own as a 16 year old in the USHL. So, um, really it was just, you know, London asked if I wanted to come up and go on and see the place and go on a visit. And, um, really that's all, that's all it was. Um, I love Des Moines. The Des Moines was a great place to play. Um, their coaches moved on after the season and, um, you know, I would have had to be there if I would have even went in as a true freshman, I would have went and uh, I would have been there for two more years. So, um, really it was just the fact that, you know, it was London that, you know, kind of sold me on, um, on their great facilities up there. And it was, uh, I'm glad I made that choice. Was there any, uh, were there colleges that you were looking at, uh, that were, showed interest at that time? Cause like you said, you were pretty young at that time. Yeah, I was young. And again, like I didn't go on any visits or anything by the time that I had signed that signed with London. Um, we, uh, just, you know, schools used to come a coach or, or whoever used to come and give you a card after a game. So I just, I talked to a few of them that way. Um, and at the time I had, I forget, I think it, you have a financial advisor who's kind of helps you out and will talk to schools so they don't kind of talk to you. And I'm sure there's tons of eligibility stuff that goes along with that, but no, in terms of visits, I, um, I, again, I was, I had two more years of junior still. So I was just kind of starting to talk to a few schools um, in terms of just, you know, business cards and they're going to keep an eye on me sort of thing, but nothing uh, too serious down the line of committing anywhere. No. So we spoke to current OHLer Andrew Pratt last summer, and he told us a little bit about what it's like playing in London for the Knights. You had the opportunity to not only play there for three seasons, but win a championship. What are some of your best memories of playing for the London Knights? Yeah, London is an awesome place to play. They um, they really do treat it like every every guy there is going to go on and play in the NHL, and that's how they treat you and practice every day and around the rink. They treat you like a professional already, which is it helps you when you know if you're fortunate enough to turn pro. It helps you in that transition for sure. But, um, you know, just being 16, 17, 18 years old and, um, you know, they get 9,000 fans every game. I know it's different right now with limited capacity, but, um, you know, when I was playing every single game, they sold out and it was awesome. And um, it really, it helps you if, especially with guys that can jump and have that kind of skill and go right to the NHL afterwards, it's, it definitely helps them in that, uh, in that transition, you know, everyone's used to playing 
in front of big crowds, especially those kind of kids like um, World Juniors and Mem Cups and what have you. But if you can do it day in and day out every single home game, that uh, that definitely helps with that transition, I think. How does Dale Hunter handle his goalies? <laughs> um, I don't, Dale was awesome with me. I had him for two years and a bit and then a little bit of my third year. And then he took the Washington job and went to Washington for the second part of that year. So then Mark took over the bench. He did coaching and GM the second half of that year. Um, they were both, they were both awesome. They were, you know, two of my favorite coaches I've ever had. I only Mark only coached us for half a year, but, um, you know, you always remember coaches you go on runs with and, you know, we, like you said, we were fortunate enough to win a championship with him, but Dale was great. He kind of has his guy and sticks with them and kind of plays them till the wheels fall off. And I like that. I played a ton my last two years. Um, you know, they have, I think they like going with the, uh, 19 year old and 16 year old or 19, 17. So you have kind of a young guy to play a few games and learn. And then he takes over that starting job when they're 18 and they've had a lot of success doing that. And, uh, you know, they're really, really smart hockey guys. Well, you say, uh, tell the wheels came off. I was looking, uh, so the 2012 you played in the Memorial cup, where was the Memorial cup that year? It was in Shawinigan. Shawinigan, Quebec. Yeah. In Quebec. Uh, yeah. So between the OHL season playoffs and the Memorial cup, you played 85 games. Yeah, yeah. And then and then your first year pro, you were with the Cincinnati Cyclones and started they went on a you went on a deep playoff run of the conference final and you started all 17 playoff games. So you like that? You think you play better when you you're just playing every game or I do yeah, I do. I I definitely did at that point. I just I remember that, you know, every three and threes, four and fives, whatever it was, it was I never really got tired. Now, you know, you get a little bit older, it's a little tougher to recover, but I really, I like, you know, having the net and just getting in that rhythm. And, um, you know, the more plays you see come at you, um, you know, quicker and back-to-back games, um, it kind of, you know, becomes muscle memory a little bit. And um, just, you get into a good rhythm and a good flow, the more you play, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, that was, those were two years where I played a lot of hockey. Um, and, you know, especially when you get into playoffs, cause it is almost every other game you have that, you have that um, availability to get into that rhythm. And, uh, and I think it's, it helps. So uh, right now you guys are uh, in a battle, if you will, with the Ohio teams. And this is why this is great going on right now. Um, in those 2013 Kelly Cup playoffs, you got your first taste of the Toledo Walleye as the Cyclones eliminated Toledo in the first round series. Knocking off the Walleye is something you and your teammates are trying to do every year. Talk about the rivalry between uh, East Coast League's two teams and fan bases. Yeah, you know, Toledo is, you know, obviously a main rival of ours. Really, all around the division, it's, you know, you have Fort Wayne, who's a rival of Toledo and us as well. And then you have Ed Wheeling and Kalamazoo in there. And it's actually really fun. I've, I've really, every time that, you know, I've been in this league, in the East Coast League, I've only played in this division. So I've really, I've seen the same teams for, you know, not every year, but close to 10 years now. And, um, you know, there are, there's some really fun rivalries. I remember that 
first playoffs was really fun against uh, against Toledo. That was first round, I believe, and they uh, went to six, I think. And um, there was fun. There were some low scoring games, I think, in the series, um, which as a goalie you don't mind. And but their fans are so are so passionate. And they're so loud. It's it makes it such a fun atmosphere. And they're so they're obviously you know top contender year in and year out. And uh, you know, they're a great organization and they uh, they run things the right way for this league. Coach uh, Watson has been on the, uh, the podcast, fan of the podcast. So, uh, he you know, solid guy as well. So this series started in Toledo. You get to start in game one, overtime loss. You guys come back uh, with a big win in game two. Your partner uh, was in net. You got the call back in Cincinnati for game three uh, with a big six to five overtime win to take a two one series lead. Do we know who's going tomorrow night? Uh, I would believe that I am. Um, yeah, I was just, the only reason I didn't play game two. I was just, I was, I had a little injury at the end of the year and just went back to back and in playoffs. My, that was my first game back after maybe it was a quick one, just like three weeks, but um, I just didn't want to push it back to back. And um, Bones played great in game two, but I think, uh, I think I'll be going tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us this, we mentioned, uh, in the intro there that you got to play games in the NHL the last two years with the Buffalo Sabres. Can you tell us the circumstances, take us through the circumstances surrounding your first NHL call up last year? You ended up starting four straight games, win the first two, um, Tell us, tell us what that was like. You when you started both ends of a back to back against the Islanders, right? And won both. Yeah, games. yeah, that was, um, yeah. And about maybe five, six weeks earlier, um, I, I was only on an American League deal with Rochester to start the season, and then uh, they traded one of their goalies. Buffalo did, and um, I guess kind of a contract opened up and. I ended up signing an NHL contract and going up to the uh, taxi squad. They had to have a goalie on the taxi squad based on the rules last year. So um, I did that for maybe five weeks, six weeks, and uh, backed up a couple of times, backed up in Pittsburgh once or twice, um, backed up a few other places. Um, just if somebody was either hurt, there was, you know, a bad string of injuries that we had last year as well. So, um, you know, you kind of have to get lucky at some point um, when you're in the position that I am. And I was I was lucky enough to get that opportunity last year. And, you know, a guy got hurt the game before. We had a day off. And then I found out at the rink that morning that, um, that I was going to be playing. And, um, you know, I played those first two, played pretty well. Um, we won them both. And then I got to go home and play at Pittsburgh. So that was, uh, that was fun. Played twice there. So got four of them out in one week. And that was, uh, that was a fun week. That was, you know, something that I always dreamed of. And, um, you know, the happiest part was that I was able to perform well. Was there, uh, so you played the two games in Pittsburgh. Normally you'd have a lot of family and friends there. Were there restrictions still in place at that time? Did family, were they able to go see a play? Yeah, they were. Yeah. They had like, just under 7,000 fans, I believe, in the arena down there. So um, they were able to set me aside tickets for both nights. Yeah, so they were uh, they were there um, for both of them, and that was fun. I had some friends come as well, and 
family from Youngstown. So that was, uh, that was a blast. I couldn't see him after though, but they just uh, kind of had to wait up in the stands. I waved to him. <laughs> and we should mention that the last game, the last of those four games, uh, this has to be a lot of fun for a goalie, although you ended up on the wrong end of it, but it was a one nothing game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun game. Yeah. I just remember I made a big save in the first on uh, a Crosby Gensel two on one. So that was pretty fun. And then, they uh and then the only goal kind of went off somebody deflected it up into jeff carter's chest and kind of hit his chest and went over my shoulder so kind of a fluky goal but yeah one nothing game i was just i was happy after the game before that i was able to bounce back and and uh have a good performance of the year and you got another chance to play for the sabers this season and, and won both your teams um so you go up and uh you played at ottawa on January 18th, usually when a team has a, uh, a goalie get called up, you know, from the minors to play, they kind of rally around and clamp down and play a tight defensive game. I see you made 43 saves in that game. So it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the circumstances, but came out with a three, one win, uh, over the senators. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, re- I just remember it didn't seem like 43 cause it was, you know, I think it was a lot of, shooting from outside the highest scoring area, which was nice. So, but yeah, if you're those kind of games, if you're seeing it and your hands and eyes are working well um, and they keep it to the outside, it's usually that could be the result of it. It's a pretty good game. Well, Michael, uh, thank you for making the time to speak with us during, excuse me, what is no doubt a very busy time. Good luck to you and the Cyclones the rest of the way. We'll be watching for sure. Uh, again, thanks for joining us tonight during the playoff run. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Check out www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. Next week, we will speak with John Malloy, the winningest high school hockey coach in Ohio history and head coach of the 2022 Ohio State champion Gilmore Academy Lancers. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.